0: Let's all worship the Lord as we sing the hymn, I Heard an Old, Old Story, how a Savior came from glory, how He gave His life in Calvary to save a wretch like me. Come to the Psalm 61. Let's read together God's Word before we pray. There may be those who feel themselves to be in a similar position to that of the author of this psalm in a very difficult place, almost at the end of the earth as we use that expression. David uses it here. And from that place cries to the Lord when he's overwhelmed and the picture is that of someone in the water battling for their life and they've been struggling and fighting and going down they feel for the last time but just suddenly they see a rock jutting out of the water and they think to themselves if I can just get on that rock I'll be safe and so they cry lead me to the rock that is higher than I can't get to it by myself I'm tired and exhausted, but if one just stretches out his hand and brings me to the rock, all will be well. That's the thought here. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my voice. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Our thoughts are with our sister Lydia. The treatment was postponed for a week. Other procedures had to be done. So we are remembering the Lord's child this incoming week. On Friday, her chemotherapy will start. Remembering Tracy as well. Tracy Moffat, Phil's wife. She had surgery this week also and is recovering and in in pain. Pray that the Lord will ease the discomfort. James Wallace has been brought back into hospital again yesterday. Sister Margaret Carey's in hospital. Horace Strong's in hospital. And Derek McLaughlin that we've been praying for also in great need at this time. We're very conscious that the war in Ukraine commenced two years ago yesterday. And we've been thinking about you folks and praying for you in your time of need. And I'm sure your thoughts have been in your home country as you have thought about the fighting and the killing and the maiming and the destruction. And we want to remember these folks very especially in prayer, family members and friends that are back home in the land of Ukraine. So let's seek the Lord. Let's seek him earnestly. Our Father, it is with a note of victory that we come into God's house, into the presence of the Lord just now. We've been able to sing with joy in our hearts, victory in Jesus, my Saviour forever. And for those that are here, redeemed by the blood of the Saviour, we have entered into that victory. <clears throat> we know the blood applied, our sins forgiven. We enjoy pardon and peace with God forevermore. We can read our titles clear to mansions in the sky because we're going to heaven. This is not our abiding place, but heaven is the future destination of the redeemed of God. And we can say we're going by and by to the palace of a king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, in this world, the Savior has told us we shall have tribulation every family here. Indeed, every individual knows something about the tribulations of this life, sufferings of one degree or another, problems and troubles that beset us in the midst of the journey. We're so thankful for the high times, the blessed times, the the days of sunshine and brightness when all is going well, but we're just very aware that in the midst of all that which is bright, there can come the shadows and the darkness and the clouds can overcast themselves upon our journey. And we know this is so for all that we've mentioned and many more besides. And so, Lord, we want to very simply commit our way onto the Lord for all that are here, every family gathered and worship this morning, each individual that's present at the house of God, whatever their circumstances, whatever they're going through. Lord, we pray that through this service you will minister to them and you will speak to them, encourage them, bless them. Lord, lift them a little bit higher towards the Lord. We know that the Christian life is like climbing a mountain. Certainly prayer is like climbing a mountain, ascending into the hill of God. But Lord, we pray that you will Lift us higher from the carnal mindset free and help us to walk in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And for those particularly with health issues, battling today with such, some of them, Lord, we've mentioned they're in hospital. We think of James back into hospital. We think of the young man James in the royal. And there is little improvement there, but Lord, what... A long, protracted trial this has been. We think of Margaret. We think of Horace. We think of Derek. We think of Tracy at home recovering from surgery. And we think of all that is before our sister Lydia. And Lord, we want to, as we always do, just hand them over to the Lord. You are aware of our circumstances. You know exactly what we're going through. The detail the heartbreak, the suffering, even when our closest do not realize the full extent of of all that we endure. Jesus knows. He made our bodies. He knows the afflictions that beset these feeble frames of ours, sickness that overtakes. And Lord, we just want to pray for those that are in such a season of trial, that that will be their stay. We have an anchor. We have a, a rock that we can run to, As this psalm has reminded us about today, in those times when we are overwhelmed by our circumstances, when we feel ourselves sinking, we can just cry out from the heart, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And we can look back and say, thou hast been a shelter for me. Because during the course of life's journey, we have experienced the Lord's help. We've known what it is to hide in Him, to be sheltered by Him, our refuge. And so, Lord, with past experience, it is with confidence, therefore, we we just cry out in the midst of present circumstances, Lord, lead us to the rock again. And for these individuals and others that are suffering, Lord, may that be where they arrive this very day. We pray that thou will bless this service in every part And this whole day. We pray for tonight's gospel service, that there will be the breath of God. May there be the breath of God in the preaching of the word. We pray that we will know the infilling of the Spirit, and likewise in the pew, that those who sit to listen, the Spirit will be working in their hearts. We pray for national deliverance, Lord, come and visit the nation and send the breath of God in the Spirit's reviving work and turn the hearts of our people back to God. Lord, you've promised such days when we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. Lord, have you not promised to forgive us for our sins and to heal our land? And so we look for this kind of intervention in our day, for God to step in. We deserve nothing but judgment. We know that when we think of the sins of our nation in high places and low places too. But in wrath you remember mercy. This is the God that we come to, a God that is gracious and long-suffering. And so we pray that you will move in our day and draw people to Christ. Hear all these our prayers and remember especially the land of Ukraine with all their need. We we pray for the pastor here and his people. We thank you for these almost two years that they've been with us. And as we've sought to reach out and be a help, we thank you for the one over and above it all that has done that, even our God. And Lord, you've sustained them, you've helped them. But we know that these things are very much in our minds today as the war has been going on for these two years. We could not have imagined that it would continue for so long. But Lord, we're confident that whatever is happening in the world, whether it's in Ukraine or Israel or other places, God is on the throne and He's working out His purpose. And so we pray for comfort. We pray for even the cessation of the war. We pray that you will... Protect and bless your people and the families of, of these folks here. Keep your tender hand upon them for good. In Jesus' name. Amen. The hymn number four oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. <clears throat> Great hymn, but, you know, kind of testing, getting up to those high notes. May the Lord be glorified, even as we've sung these words together. Very warm word of welcome to the congregation and to those joining us on the Internet. And this beautiful, and it is a beautiful, Lord's Day. The Gospel service is tonight at 7. I want to speak on the subject, what would you like to say at the end of the journey? And I was just reading through the Scriptures this week, and I think it was Friday, Uh, what someone had to say at the end of his journey in the Bible, and it greatly struck me. And so we want you to pray that the Lord will bless His Word. Come to pray with us at 6.30. If you can, you'll be welcome. Refreshments will be served after tonight's meeting. In the morning, the Hebron Tots meet at 10 o'clock. Just to let you know, if you don't know already, Winnie Laverty's funeral is tomorrow and that will be in the Jubilee Complex of the Martyrs at 11.30. Tuesday night is Youth Challenge at 7. The school's ministry on Thursday sees us going to the model for Scripture Union, so we get an hour with the children in the afternoon, pray that the Lord will go before us. Christina is able to come with me this coming Thursday, so over the next month, every week on a Thursday, for four weeks we have this opportunity. Thursday night being the last uh, Thursday of the month is our missionary meeting and a deputation service at eight o'clock on behalf of Emmanuel Christian School. So there'll be special prayer and uh, as we seek the Lord for missionary work and revival and particularly the land of Uganda And my understanding is that Jonathan will be representing the mission board on Thursday night. So we look forward to that and all that will be seen and all that will be uh, heard. On Friday night, the Youth Fellowship is at eight o'clock. Our brother Greg will be speaking on understanding Islam. Very important subject with so much going on in the world today. And we see everything in our own nation that's happening in the streets understanding islam uh, a good subject for the young people to consider we want you to share this invite others to come along i'm sure your friends will find it most interesting also friday is presbytery in mackerel felt for the elders saturday morning is the open air at 11 o'clock and next Lord's day the prayer meeting at 8 a.m sunday school at 10:30. Quarter to 11 is the Bible class, and Phil will be coming to Gideon, the Mighty Man of Valor, part two. So I'm sure you'll look forward to the study. Worship service, 12 noon. I'll be here to preach in the will of God. And then Family Night at 7, Margaret Cameron, a sinner saved by grace, is coming to give her personal testimony. She's a converted Roman Catholic lady. And there is an advert you can share on your social media and your WhatsApp and invite others to to come along. Supper will be served. And ladies, we need you to help as we need you to help on every occasion. Tonight's refreshments do bring what's needed. But next Sunday night, if the ladies can bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. Remember the Mission Board 50th anniversary meetings that will be held in Lisburn from the 6th to the 9th of March. And there's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night involved here. Pray that the Lord will go before the board and all who take part prepare the way and that a fresh interest in missionary work will be experienced. Remember also the ordination and installation service of Jonathan as he takes up the ministry in Mount Marion, And that is Friday week, the 8th of March. The meeting will take place in the Martyr's Church. We've been asking you to pray for the need of a temporary primary school teacher needed until the end of June. We would ask you to continue to pray for that need, please. We had the opportunity to be in schools this week. I was in a school that was able just to take a quick photograph there up in Castle Row. And we're thankful again for the openings If we can just travel a little bit of distance to the land of Uganda, some of you will know this lady, if you've been there. Uh, She lives next door to the school and the church premises. Her husband was the chairman, the former chairman of the district. He was always very sympathetic uh, to the school. In fact, the children went to the school. But a few months ago, very, very suddenly, Uh, he died. He was just in his 40s and his wife was expecting another child and that little child has been born and this is a little baby, baby Jaden, uh, born to Justine. So, happiness and joy with a baby coming into the world but absent of a father and we know what that means, especially in Africa. So pray uh, for this family, please. The parents of the school just recently uh, coming together at a special function. The top students who have done their O levels, this is in standard four, and they have done exceedingly well. The results were good, and we rejoice in that. And then the primary seven top students and their friends are in this picture, and they have done so well also in their examinations. They always have a Thanksgiving service at the end of such a, a, a time, a term, when the exams have taken place and the students have done so well. And that was the Thanksgiving service there recently. They've been reaching out, as you know, in the work of evangelism and Sunday school work. And this is in Bukalula, which is a village not too far away from where the school is. And this is the new Sunday school that has been commenced there. And we're thankful for all the children. That have been coming in. And also, these young men are the new entrants into the Bible Training Institute course. And we're thankful for this, that gives a a two year part time course for men to study the scriptures. I have one photograph to show. I I could not show the others, but it's a lady, Nakato. Not sure if that's the exact pronunciation, but um, this lady suffers with epilepsy. And she recently had an epileptic fit and fell into a fire. And she's been very, very seriously injured. Burns on her arms, her face. And she's actually had to have part of her arm amputated as well. And we want you to pray for Nakato. We're going to try and help with needs that she has at this time as a church. Pray that the Lord will be with her. And as her sister Noreen reaches out in this very desperate time that she will be a means of grace to her through the Lord uh, to minister to this lady. In one month's time, she will deliver, God willing, a little baby. So this has been a really difficult time for her. Recently, somebody gave a gift that was in a very large tubular box. And in that was a mat I didn't know what the mat looked like until Noreen opened it and sent me a picture. And so I think the person that got this organized is here. And it's a manual Christian school with, lo, I am with you always. For his namesake, they went forth. And they received this at the school, but they thought it was too good to put down as a mat, and they've hung it up in Noreen's office. So we thank the one that Thought about this it was a very kind gesture and sent that out to, to Africa over in the land of Romania wood has been distributed to poor families over these cold months to help them and also potatoes have been given and one of the pallets I'm not sure but the other one went to a different destination haven't heard about it yet but this is the one that went to the zoo that we have just recently sent out and it's arrived and on on the left There was a box filled with gifts, and on every one of them, there was this little tag with a a verse of Scripture in Romanian. And the pastor, their pastor, Emmanuel, wants to thank the person who went to all the trouble to do this. And it was time-consuming making sure you got the Scripture, wrote it out in in a different language. And those that had supplied some clothes on the right-hand side, they had labeled on the outside what was inside, And he said that's been immensely helpful as well. Maybe just to make make an announcement, we we do not continually receive clothes. Um, Sometimes when they come in, that's fine, but we don't receive clothes all the time because it does cost money to send them out. And we bring clothes in, it's about 350 pounds per pallet. So we just need to keep that in mind uh, that there's a cost involved in that. But from time to time, we make special efforts and special appeals and that's fine. This is the homework group that Emmanuel has set up in Campina in his own church and they're bringing in these poor children, Roma children and having um, after school time with them, helping them with their homework and they've all stayed on. There's about 12 of them come in and they all stay on for the children's meeting and hear the gospel. We put out a little appeal this morning. I'm not going to say much about it because we we mentioned it in the video this morning. Uh, for two things happening at Deborah House, one of the greenhouses or the poly tunnels um, came off the worst during the storms of last year, and we noticed this when we were out. So on the left-hand side, there is a poly tunnel without any plastic, and we want to help with that. On the right is a picture when the play park was built and. It needs repair work, and the authorities have also demanded a fence to be put up for whatever reason, I don't know, but they say uh, you're not allowed to use this until that's done. So we're going to raise the money and send it out. If anyone wants to help, uh, just see us, and we can give you the details. We have a conference at the end of next month, the 26th through to the 2nd, 26th of March to the 2nd of April, and we want you to pray for this conference with the Roman churches in Bissou. We'll give you more details near the time and when we will visit the poor families. Way in October 22nd to the 29th, there's a group going out to visit the work. There's one place left out of the 10. And if anyone's interested, please see me. We continue to pray for those that need the touch of the Lord in their life. And we got this correspondence from the Reverend Hannah about Jesus Ballesteros. He has asked... Reverend Hannah, to pass on his grateful thanks to all who prayed for him during his illness. He left the hospital on Friday and plans to be with us tomorrow, which is today, of course, in our church services. So, a man that was so critically ill and now out of hospital, we're so glad to hear about that. For those praying for James down in the Royal, uh, James is improving slowly. Doctors are pleased with his progress He is recognizing his family and following them with his eyes. He is slowly starting to respond. The Lord is answering prayer. And you know this young man was involved in a serious car accident and has been in hospital for over eight months. And he's been in a critical condition. Please continue to pray for James. Continue to pray for the land of Ukraine, especially second anniversary now of the war commencing and continue to pray for the land of Israel, that God will bring peace to the warring nations. We bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord now as we sing together 482. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Keeping our seats as we sing. bread as heaven. A few verses from the same passage of scripture that we read from last week. These verses that deal with the cleansing of the temple. And we're in the Gospel of Mark, the chapter 11, and reading just verse 15 through to 19. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold. And bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And I was thinking especially about what we read here in verse 15. When the Lord comes to the temple, he cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And that really got me thinking about a message today that I'm going to, by the grace of God, preach in a few minutes' time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Your Word we give ourselves to Thee. We are not sufficient for these things. We cannot understand them with our own human understanding. But to comprehend Your Word, we need the Holy Spirit. He is our guide, our teacher, our instructor. And we pray right now He'll come alongside each one and speak to every heart. We need help in the ministry of the Word. Fill this vessel with your Spirit, and fill this house with your presence, and may the Spirit of God work from seat to seat, heart to heart, and move in all of our souls this day so that when we leave God's house, we'll be able to say with confidence, we have met with God today. Jehovah Shema, the Lord was there. Hear this, our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On two occasions, the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed the temple in Jerusalem. One at the beginning of his ministry, just after the first miracle that he performed, turning the water into wine. And the record of that is given to us in John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. The other Gospels do not mention this particular cleansing. The second occasion was at the end of His ministry, and this time it is recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not by John. In the first event, Jesus made a whip of cords, which He used to drive out the sellers, but there's no mention of a whip in the second cleansing. The temple, the house of God, was being used for the wrong purpose. According to the law, two doves or pigeons, were required to be offered in sacrifice. And you you will see that from Leviticus 14, verse 22, carried on into the New Testament. We see an example of it in Luke chapter 2, verse 24. But it was difficult to bring these birds from distant parts of Judea. And so, a lucrative business was set up. When, with these sellers selling their produce in the temple courts, robbing the faithful by charging exorbitant prices. There were other merchants there selling cattle and sheep for temporal sacrifices as well. Because these sellers who preyed on the poor, and because of Christ's passion for the purity of the temple, Jesus was filled. With righteous indignation. As he overturned the tables of the money changers, he condemned them for having turned his house of prayer, God's house of prayer, into a den of thieves. Jesus denounced such greedy practices, and he physically put a stop to this corruption. God had a high design for his house, but Israel Had so degenerated that they were making use of God's house for vile and profane purposes to feed their greed. God's house ought to have been a place of prayer where men from all nations could meet with God. His design was for his house in Jerusalem to be a gathering place for worshippers from all the nations, a place where prayers could rise like incense. From the hearts of the faithful as they came to the presence of God. Now, as I thought about the scene before us, this event in the Lord's ministry, my mind fled away to what I believe is an important and searching application that I want to set before you today. There is no longer a temple in Jerusalem for worship as there was 2,000 years ago. One day the temple will be rebuilt according to the prophetic word, but that's a subject for another time. We have already seen the application to our present-day church buildings and what purposes God's house are to be used for today, in the modern day, for worship, for praise, for preaching, and for prayer. But I have another thought for us to consider. There are present-day Temples, these bodies of ours, particularly, especially, if you're a Christian. The modern-day temple where God is pleased to inhabit and dwell in, take residence in, is the body of each individual believer. And these temples, in a very real sense, need to be cleansed. And purified. Not just once or twice as it was in the Lord's ministry, the physical temple, but they need cleanse continually. And so, we look to the Lord today for enlightenment and challenge when it comes to the way we live our Christian lives on earth. We come with a prayer. I trust that we do. Dear Lord, visit these temples of ours, these bodies that you inhabit and cleanse them, overturn the tables of sin, and cast out all that is vile and profane. I trust that will be your prayer now, and certainly when we come to the end of the message, that will be your prayer. May God apply His Word to your heart. You could entitle this message, Good Housekeeping, Keeping Your House, Keeping Your Temple Clean. I want you to notice, first of all, God's dwelling place or habitation. It is an amazing truth that the God of glory descends into these bodies of ours and dwells in our hearts, makes His abode with us in such a fashion. He lives in these temples. As He came down in ancient days, His presence and glory and Spirit filled the physical building of the temple, so he comes in the New Testament age, which is still the same age in which we're living, to inhabit these bodies of ours. We are God's temple. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, said, "'Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God?' And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. These words actually come in the background of a warning against fornication in particular. Sins of a sexual nature might seem incredible that professing Christians need to be warned of such things, but they do. We need to be warned about all sin, including those of an immoral nature. The city of Corinth at the time of the Apostle Paul was one of the most immoral places on earth. Every vile sin was practiced there. Indeed, these believers were reminded by Paul about some of their past lives, what, what they were before their conversion. And I'm sure you've, you've pondered over this many, many times, because the list is given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 19, or rather verse 9 through to 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. That's your past life. These are the sins that you were guilty of as you lived in the city of Corinth. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The exhortation then comes in verse 18, flee fornication, sinning against your own body. And Paul immediately follows with the question about our spiritual temple in the next verse, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? I ask you the same question professing Christian in this service. Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you know that the Spirit of God, if you're a child of God, lives within your body? Are you aware of this? I think that we ought to be. How could Almighty God dwell in these temples, these vessels of ours, and and you and I not be aware of it. The Almighty, the Spirit of God coming to live in here, and we're not conscious of it. We're bound to be. It was prophesied that this would be so by Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 27, I will put my Spirit within you. That was the prophetic word. And listen to what the Lord said the night before He died in the Gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 17. He said the spirit of truth, He says in verse 16 to get the connection, I will pray the Father that He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not neither knoweth Him but ye know Him for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. The Spirit of God. He speaks to His disciples the night before He went to the cross. The Spirit of God is with you. Praise God for that, but the Spirit of God will be in you. You will have the Spirit living in your body, your temple. Mark also the words of the the great apostle as he wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8, And verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, if you haven't got the Holy Ghost living in you, you're not a Christian. You don't belong to the Lord. But it's made plain here that the Spirit of God comes to live, comes to dwell in these temples, the modern day temples, your body, dear child of God. I want you to notice secondly that we need to identify some of the unclean things in our temples that need to be swept out, that need to be thrown out. And of course the list here is inexhaustible really, but I was thinking of a few of the the things that need to be taken away from our hearts Think of the conflicts and the battles. Think of Satan's temptations, the world's allurements. Think of the flesh's opposition. And as I thought about this, I want to begin, because remember the whole context of what Paul talked about, your body being the temple of God there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, is to do with fornication. I want to deal, first of all, with sexual sin. Might be worth pointing out, that Paul's command uh, commands the believers at Corinth to flee fornication, and as he does so he uses the, the Greek word pornea, which refers to a very broad range of sexual sins. And so to flee, to flee this sin of fornication means more than the dark and vile physical act of doing that which God has forbidden. Outside the marriage, if you're not married, someone that hasn't got a wife or a husband. I'm try, trying to couch my terms in uh, as polite terms as I possibly can. I'm very conscious I'm preaching from the pulpit, uh, and I do not like to be too explicit in the house of God as we gather here for the worship of the Lord. But you do not do anything inappropriate, Maybe that's a good word that you'll understand. You don't do anything that is inappropriate with another person. You do not gratify the flesh through things that you, you might find in pornographic photographs or videos or any such like. We think of movies, we think of magazines, we think of books or the, the, the internet sites, And why? Why do you not? Because your body is the temple of God. For that reason. A temple is a place sacred to God, which must be kept pure from immorality. Where necessary, therefore, the heart needs to be purged from these things. Because God has told His people, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God expects you and I to be holy. When Paul wrote to young Timothy, he counseled him, keep thyself pure. And so today where where this kind of thing has crept in, it's very possible even to the life of one who says they're a Christian. That's the kind of thing that needs to be purged away and cleansed, the kind of tables of sin that needs to be removed and overturned in your life. But let me mention something else, pleasure-seeking. Can such infiltrate the life of the Christian? Of course. Why else would commands be given by the Lord? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Worldly pleasure has the tendency to choke those who pursue it, as we know from the Lord's parable parable of the sower. Not every gospel writer gives exactly the same information, but I was just looking at this before coming over because the reference I'm thinking of here is in the gospel of Luke in the chapter 8 and verse 14. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. Let me read it to you. That which fell among the thorns, remember the different kinds of ground upon which the seed fell, and the Lord gives explanation to each ground. That which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to perfection. Now, really, the Lord is speaking about people who receive the Word and they're, n- they're not truly converted. It springs up for a little time, seems to be something there, but it, it you know, fades away. T- time shows that there's been no real work of grace in that person's life. But there's an application even for God's people here. Because sometimes these things creep into our lives, cares, riches, and, and pleasures, and they have the tendency of choking us in the Christian life. If in your heart, worldliness and and pleasure-seeking is calling you, and you're hankering after these things, well then you must, by the grace of God, have them swept away from your life as the Lord chased out the worldly people from the temple. Moses, a servant of God, could have had it all. He was in direct succession to the throne. He was the the son of Pharaoh's daughter became by adoption the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It is said that he was destined to become the next Pharaoh of the land, but he didn't. Why? Why did he refuse it? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Drinking, gambling, Dancing, nightclubs, amusement arcades have no place in the heart where the Holy Spirit of God dwells. And so we need to rid our temples of these things. Pleasure seeking. Then I thought about selfish ambition. Oh, there's nothing wrong per se with ambition, healthy ambition. I believe that God wants us to work hard. And if by working hard we prosper in this world and we do well, that's fine. Providing that the Lord Jesus Christ, our King, has the number one place in your life. And that's essential. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and, well, these other things will be added unto you. God had men who prospered in this world, who were good men, godly men. Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, David, Solomon, Job, Daniel, all from the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we have people like Dorcas, Cornelius, Lydia, Aquila, and Priscilla, and others who who prospered in this world. Some of them prospered financially, some of them prospered politically. However, when ambition to do well in this world is completely of a selfish, self-centered nature, then that is a serious problem if you are a professing Christian. You become like a lot. You become like an Achan. The warning that Paul gave to Timothy has never changed. It's the warning that we read about in First Timothy and the chapter 6. And let me read to you verses 9 and 10. First Timothy 6 and verses 9 and 10. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil, it's the love of it when it becomes an obsession. The love of money is the root of all evil which some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. If such has crept into our hearts, then we need it purged. We need the temple cleansed. You, you must forsake such ambition. We go on to read in First Timothy 6, in the next two verses, 11 and 12, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. When worldly ambition was set before Jesus by Satan in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8, he said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Fall down and worship the world. Seek for the kingdoms of this world. And you're not seeking for a healthy thing. Get thee behind me, Satan, we should say. Then the works of the flesh. There should never be such things evident in the life of the Christian. Because we, th- these things belong to the unconverted. They don't belong to us. You know the list that's given by the the apostle in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 onwards, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as also I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's very clear, therefore, it belongs to the old life or the unconverted in this world. There are 17 things given in this list. Now, most Christians will resist by the grace of God and and overcome what, what they see to be the great sins. And there are those great outward sins. Some of them are mentioned here like adultery, fornication, idolatry, witchcraft, murders, drunkenness. Though remember, these things can be committed in the heart. Never forget that, the heart sin is just the same before God. But what about those other sins that need to be swept away from our hearts? Not the great ones that I've mentioned here, but but those ones like hatred and wrath and strife and envying. Too often these sins are, are tolerated Never forget God hates these sins, and so should we. Do you hate other people? Are you an angry person? Is there strife in your heart? What about envy and jealousy? Is such found in you, you're, you're envious of, of other people? Maybe it's worldly things. You're, you're envious because they have a better car than you, or they have a better house than you, or they have more money than you. Or maybe it's even spiritual things that they can pray better than you or preach better than you or do things in God's house better than you can. Does jealousy fill your heart? Oh, dear child of God, these are the things that need to be to be purged away from us as we cleanse these temples of ours. And then I thought about lying. The child of God, by the grace of God, is an honest person. When Paul urged the Colossians to seek those things which are above, in Colossians chapter three, and to put off those old sins that belong to the corrupt man, he said, lie not one to another, saying that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. You see, lying does not belong to the new man that is in Christ Jesus. Some, some people could tell you a lie that would hang you, as they say. Not the Christian. Not the Christian. The Bible says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 12 and 22. We are reminded that there are no liars in heaven. Revelation 21 verse 8. We taught our children this from the earliest days that we possibly could, that, you know, especially, you know, when they they did something wrong, as all children do, and maybe they were challenged about it, and we knew that they were denying it, and it was a lie that they were saying, you know, that became a greater sin than the actual sin that they had committed before, because lying is such a hideous thing before God. We need to drum it into our children how awful and wicked and sinful lying lips are there's no such thing as a half lie. There's no such thing as a white lie. The tendency to lie must be cleansed from these temples. Now, we could add more and more and more to the list, but I have one more to mention by way of application, and that's time-wasting. If our bodies are God's temples, and they are, and they belong to Him, well, then we have therefore no right to be idle and wasteful of what belongs to Him, if these temples belong to Him. Our bodies are to be used for the glory of God. Are we not taught that in the very first catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever? When Paul told the Corinthians that they were God's temple and no longer their own, but bought with the price, the blood of the Lamb, he declared, therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Spurgeon said something very interesting. Your body was a willing horse when it was in the service of the devil. Let it not be a sluggish hack now that it draws the chariot of Christ. Christ would come to our temples today and as he did back here in the scriptures, he would he would just look around and survey the situation. Survey the inward man, looks into these temples. And he would purge and cleanse that which is unholy and unclean. And we ought to pray, Oh blessed Christ, come and clean out these hearts and lives of ours, that we might be holy vessels, made pure within. Our temple's clean and and free from evil. One final little point, and I know time is just about gone, but I want to make this point before we leave. How do we cleanse these temples? Sin is not eradicated completely from our lives as believers. Not until we go to heaven, there's no sin there. We have a daily conflict with sin and our enemies that would bring us down. Remember, Paul felt that, that battle, that raging war within his members as he spoke about it in Romans chapter 7. I needn't turn to it, but it's verse 15 through to verse 20 particularly. We need therefore our temples cleansed. Indeed, this is part of the sanctifying work of God. And how do we do that? Well, number one, let me give them quickly. By the power of the indwelling Christ. You take Paul for example, In Romans chapter 7 and verses 24 and 25, listen to what the apostle had to say because he he knew that within his heart dwelt the mighty Spirit of God. And so here in Romans 7 and verse 24 and 25, just at the end of the chapter, having talked about the battle, Within his members, as raging within his flesh, he cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the answer. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you consider what he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 2 and Verse 20, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The apostle was very aware that there was one living inside his temple called the Lord Jesus Christ. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God He loved me and gave himself for me. This has much to do with our union with Christ. In the parable of the true vine in John chapter 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. This wonderful truth or reality enables us, therefore, to live a fruitful life, a meaningful life to the glory of God. And you want to think of John 15. Read it through for yourself. Christ gives the victory. There's a hymn that we have come to love in the church here where it ends with Christ and me. We'll, we'll probably sing it tonight. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Closely aligned with the fact that the power of the indwelling Christ is here. Secondly, we can get the victory by the sanctifying influence of the Holy Spirit. We have already seen that the Holy Spirit dwells within us at the moment, the very point of conversion, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. Not 10 years or 20 years down the line, but immediately it happens just once in our lifetime. The indwelling Spirit comes just once There's the infilling of the Spirit that we need repeatedly, but when you're you're saved, the Spirit comes to your temple to live there. And it includes all believers without exception. Nobody's left out. If I can refer again to what Paul taught the Corinthians, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, then I want you to consider that this must make a world of difference to your life and mine. I said this earlier. If it's true... That God's Spirit lives within the child of God, and it is, then this mighty influence must have an impact, a controlling effect upon our behavior. If we commit a moral sin, for example, as Christians, we pollute the temple of God. These bodies of ours are, are no longer our own. They belong to God. We are bought with a price. The Spirit dwells within. He therefore has a powerful influence and will give us overcoming power to be holy. We expect inward purity from true Christians more than from those who are not Christians. Why? For this very reason, the Holy Ghost does not live in the hearts of the unconverted, but He certainly lives in us. Another way that we get the victory and are able to cleanse these temples is by the washing of the Word. Psalm 119 and verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? You say, well, I read the Bible. That's a good thing. But you also say, I forget so quickly what I read. Maybe you've read the Bible this morning before you come to church and, or came to church, and I trust that you did. And maybe you're sitting here and you've forgotten even much of what you have read in order to illustrate the good effect of reading the Bible. you Remember the little boy that was given the task of carrying a basket full of water to his father? The father says, son, go down to the to the river bank and, and bring me a basket full of water. The little boy obediently went down and he took the basket, put it into the water and carried it up and you know what's happening as the water was, was going out of the basket. And the father says, go down and do it again and he did it again, did it a third time, and the little boy objected, Dad, when I go down to the water and, and I, I bring back a basket full of water, by the time I get to you, it has all run out through the basket. And the father said, that is true, son, but look at the basket. It's much cleaner now than it was before. And that's the effect that the Word of God and the reading of God's Word has an effect upon us. It cleanses us within And even though much of it runs in one ear and out through the other, it's still cleansing. It's still cleansing as we read God's Word. I finish by saying that there's another way through which these temples of ours can be cleansed, and that's the application of the blood of Christ by faith. Oh, there's power in the blood. The blood of Jesus has a a profound cleansing effect inside these temples, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Where sin has crept in to your temple, into your heart, into your life. Plead for the cleansing, purifying effect of the Savior's blood to be applied to you. And the Lord will cast out your defilement and He'll wash away your sin and make you clean. So let there be good housekeeping. As we think of the story of the cleansing of the temple... We think of the building then where the Lord entered and overthrew the tables of the money changers and did a purging work there. Let's remember today the temple is our body and that body needs to be cleansed and purified. May God come and do a work of real grace within us. Make us what we ought to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless your word. Bless your word as we've listened to it today to every heart. Lord, we thank you for the reality of of our temples being God's dwelling place—what a a powerful thing! Something that's a way beyond what we can really comprehend—that God comes to dwell in our bodies, and as He does, Lord, we know that that these temples need to be purged and kept clean, even for the habitation of God. Make us holy. Make us pure. Help us, Lord, every day to see to it that that we are washed and cleansed, and we get the victory. And those tables of sin are overthrown in our lives. Make us the people that God wants us to be, a holy temple representing the Lord well in this world for Jesus' sake. Amen. Could we sing one verse? It's asking the Lord to wash us, and I think it's good to sing this before we leave. Wash me, O Lamb of God, wash me from sin by thine atoning blood, O make me clean just the first verse of the hymn please Lord, take us from your house today with the living word of God in our souls. Help us to act upon your word, to think about what is being taught here and how needful it is for our hearts to be cleansed from sin today and for us to walk in this world in white. And so we pray that there will be that effect, there will be that influence of your word in the heart of every child of thine. And sure, there be those not saved gathered among us. Lord, bring them to Christ. Bring them to know the Lord and the cleansing of his blood and their sins forgiven, we ask in Jesus' name.